welcome to the Hoops Around Us podcast. Adam Schalfu and Kurt Schroeder, and we're back running the two-man game. Uh, the, the point guard, and I don't know, are you a power forward? Would you consider yourself a center? You got a, you got a lot of uh, range in the jumper, maybe a stretch four. What, what position are you officially, Kurt? Bench warmer, foo. Let's be honest. Mm. Um, mm. If I had to see floor time, yeah, probably a, a, a center. I shoot it, don't make a lot, but I can set screens and get some boards. Okay, player comp, Vladdy Rodmanovich, pre-skiing injury maybe? Oh, no, 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 much better shooter uh, than I was. So you, <laughs> no, you're, you're gonna have to find someone much worse than uh, Vlad Radmanovich. Okay, <laughs> Wait, you're like, the way you said that, I think you're saying, oh no, I'm a much better shooter than Vlad. Right, yeah, that, that crossed my mind a little bit and I had to Dang, clarify, because no, no, he was a sniper for the Sonics. Sure, sure. Before his Laker days, he was less effective. I don't even remember. He kind of bounced around at the end there. Give me a, a Chris Mim comp. Chris Mim. Yeah, a little Mark Madsen in me, maybe. Oh, okay. You definitely I'll do the, I'll like do the dirty work. Madsen. I'll do the dirty work. Not a whole lot else, but. <laughs> hey, Stanford grad, right? Pac-12 guy. Madsen? Yeah, I, I want to say he went to Stanford. I have no idea. I, I, I hear the clicking. I know you're fact-checking me. Uh, on today's show, we're going to be talking about the Memphis Grizzlies. We're going to be talking about uh, the Golden State Warriors. And we're going to be talking about Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets. First, I want to give a quick shout out to our friends at Spotify, in particular, Spotify Green Room. It's a live audio only sports talk platform, free to download and to use. You can talk to me and Kurt, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time perfect for watch parties debates post-game breakdowns reacting to breaking news maybe you had a player on your fantasy football team who started doing jumping jacks and retired mid-game maybe it turns out he didn't retire maybe he is saying that tom brady's uh not good at sports and that he needs everyone to do it for him i don't know sounds like a hot topic uh that would be one maybe you'd want to talk about in Spotify green room. All right. It's the free audio only social media platform for sports fans. Uh, join in the conversation. Uh, all you need to do is download the Spotify green room app. It's free on the iOS app store, create a profile, link your Twitter, pow, pow, pow. And uh, yeah, come share your takes. Anyway, Kurt, let's get right into it, man. Um, Clay Bay Bay, that's my song. Turn it up. Uh, he's back, man. He's back and he's firing. <laughs> uh, yes, we'll get into Clay. First of all, Stanford from '96 to 2000. You're right, Mark Matson. So had to fact check it. You're right, one for one today. Uh, imagine you're going to be uh, you know, perfect conversion percentage as we get through the show. Um, yes, Clay <laughs> returning. I mean, first of all, just an emotional. Uh, a day for sure yeah. uh, you know a lot of build up into this you know two and a half years removed from his last game which was uh you know in the playoffs in 2019 so just hard to believe that it's been two and a half years i saw somewhere it was like 900 plus uh days um between the the uh the, the injury in the finals in 2019 and then uh making his return against the Cavs the other night um i liked how every single player on the Warriors wore a clay jersey of some sort into really the cool. arena to show support. But man, 
um, I think the first thing that comes to mind is just, uh, you know, how he got his points. So like just the stat breakdown really quickly, 17 points in 20 minutes, seven of 18 from the floor. So not horribly efficient, but, you know, first game back in two and a half years, you can't really have the standard set as high as it was when he was in his prime, right. um, made three, three pointers, but a couple of things stand out to me, just a couple really tough baskets, um, you know, some followaways on the baseline. Uh, I think it was this, the second basket of the game for the Warriors kind of coming off that pick that Steph set curling around took it uh, I guess it would be like either a layup or a floater however you want to characterize it over a couple guys uh, to get his first basket and then the dunk the dunk kind of worried me a little bit because he landed right there on his right leg which was the torn Achilles leg and then uh, you know took off on the ACL leg so when he landed, I was like, ooh, you know, that's how he tore the ACL in the first place. And when you but, took off, you were probably like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, it was, I, I just wanted to see a safe landing and yeah. have him go backed up and down the court. Because, again, ligament damage on both legs um, in very critical spots. So uh, that was good to see. And I just imagine it's going to get better and better. But, you know, what a comeback so far. Yeah. And, Kurt, uh, we've known each other for maybe four years now or something like that and uh just for perspective on my timeline game six the game he got hurt that was the first nba game i watched in colorado as a as a resident and so that's how long ago you know john morant wasn't in the league i've lived in two different states since then um i mean or three Three, two, three. Yeah. 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 So it's like a lot has happened, uh, of course, in the NBA and in all of our lives. And it's just crazy. And it's comforting. Uh, another quick Clay Thompson personal story on it. Share. I think I told you one time I just went to uh 24 hour fitness in Great Falls. Pretend I was Clay Thompson for about three hours. Was shooting the lights out. All right. I'm no Vladdy Radmanovich either. But he's an inspiration to me. He's one of my favorite players of all time. And it was definitely like emotional seeing him come in. I did place a few bets. He was, uh, the, the bet was 12 and a half uh, for the points. And I'm like, oh, Clay is going to hit the over there. And so I hit on that. And then it was uh, 17 and a half for points, assists, rebounds combined. And I hit the over on that because he had 17 points uh, just scoring. But yeah, I do think that the best is ahead of him. And just the gravity he's going to bring. And, uh, geez, they got a real tough test tonight against Memphis. We'll, we'll get into that. Uh, but what do you think this does for the Warriors now to have him back, uh, even if he is still kind of ramping it up? It's just another wrinkle. I mean, you look at the team, and they're the number one team in the league. They have been for most of the season. And so you add, when healthy, their second best player to the to the mix you know, the, the floor spacing is going to be better. He's obviously a phenomenal three-point shooter, shooting better than 40% for his career. Right. So you're probably going to get more three-point attempts, more three-point baskets. Um, and then I think that also allows Draymond to play his game a little bit better because he's such a good facilitator, has such a high IQ. I'm not going to say that Clay is on the level of Steph, even when Clay was healthy. But at the same time, you get someone who does a lot of what Steph does. And when you have someone who kind of does a lot of what Steph does, you know, who's not going to take that. So yeah. it's just one of those things where the, you know, we use the cliche in the past, the rich get richer. 
And that's just another situation with the Warriors. They're already deep, already have a lot of good skill guys. This is just another guy who can create his own shot, shoot a three-pointer, get to the rim, really play well within the scheme. So can the Warriors get better? I don't know, but on paper they are at least. Yeah. Uh, I mean, another guy that's helped Jordan Poole. I think it changes the way you can use him. You can bring him in as your backup guard. Leave the first part of that off because it doesn't matter if he's point guard or shooting guard. Uh, he can thrive either place. Uh, Gary Payton Jr. sounds like Kerr wants him back for the rest of the year, rightfully so. And I think that uh, all of a sudden you really look at this team and between those four, I think you can say that's the deepest backcourt in the NBA right now. Uh, not, I can't even really like the Chicago Bulls come to mind, but it's not even close to the level of uh, talent, you know, because when you have Steph Curry, who's the best guard in the world, maybe the best player in the world, uh, it brings the the GPA, as I've adopted the new term the gpa the class gpa is up in the backcourt and so um but i don't know can you think is there another team that's even close to having that kind of backcourt depth no i don't think so when you talk about the ceiling that steph and clay have you know maybe some other teams have like a higher floor um but i mean and i know he hasn't seen a lot of time on the floor this year but like moody can also fill it up um so I, i think i think it goes beyond just four deep for the Warriors too. And it's also yeah. scary. To, it's also scary to think that they in theory can get even better when Wiseman comes back. So they're still not fully loaded. That's a really good point. Yeah. I mean, the, the Nets have a real nice backcourt half the time. If, if even that, uh, when Kyrie Irving is there, you have Kyrie, James Harden and Patty Mills, but Duke isn't scaring me. Uh, you know, the Bulls, Lonzo Ball, Zach Levine, Alex Caruso, Kobe White. That's pretty dang impressive. Um, But really, those are the only teams, even in the conversation, I'm looking at the depth charts. Okay, here's one. Uh, The Miami Heat, Kyle Lowry, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, Max Struess, Gabe Vincent. There's a lot of depth there. Uh, Timberwolves, sneaky good team. D'Angelo Russell, Pat Beverly, Malik Beasley, Anthony Edwards. Okay. Uh, you know, Drew Holiday, Grace Nallen, Wes Matthews, Dante DiVincenzo, Pat Connaughton, George Hill. Like that's, that's some depth, but like you said, the, the ceiling isn't really matched. You know, uh, it's going to be very interesting. I don't think that the Suns are a lock to make the Western Conference Finals, but that sure would be fun seeing a series. Chris Paul and Devin Booker against Klay Thompson and Steph Curry. It's going to be fun just to watch these uh, games unfold in the regular season when you haven't seen Klay against a guy like John Morant. John Morant wasn't even in the league, and now we get to see John Morant against Clay Thompson and Steph Curry together for the first time. Yeah, I think the thing with the Warriors is it was a nice game back for Clay. Now we just have to figure out is it sustainable? Can he get better? I imagine that he will get better at this point. 
um, as he gets more burn. But it's just, can they keep building momentum? Can they keep figuring things out? Can they keep getting better and better? Because, you know, if you're, you know, first game back with Clay um, it is a, a double digit win over the Cavs, who somehow, some way are, you know, right in the thick of it. It's not like they beat up on the magic or someone, you know, right. where Clay's getting a bunch of easy looks. So, you know, say what you will about the Cavs, you know, they're obviously not on the same level of the Warriors, but you know, not a bad team coming into uh, Chase Center. And it's just one of those scenes where the Warriors, when I was looking at that game, just overall as like a complete team unit, they just looked like very fluid, very smooth. It didn't look like much of a challenge for them. And I know it was kind of a, a lower scoring game, but at the same time, it's like, you know, if you're just ramping Clay back up and you're just trying to figure out what he has in the tank in his first game back and you really take it to a uh, – a decent team at least at this point in the season with the Cavs like you, you gotta like what you see yeah well I think that's a perfect transition then let's get into tonight's game today's uh the 11th uh Tuesday the 11th 2022 and um it's gonna be Mavs Grizzlies and I'll just say this, I'll get this out of the way. I think the Grizzlies have a legitimate chance to play in the conference finals. I think that they are a top four team in the West uh, with top two potential. I'm very much believing in the Grizz at this point. Uh, I think you could make a really strong point. He might be my pick, in fact, uh, for John Morant for MVP this season uh, with what the Grizzlies are doing right now. They're the fourth in the West right now, 28 and 14. Uh, they're fourth in points per game, 112.1. And they have a really good defensive uh, unit as well. But you kind of look up and down this roster and there's no weaknesses. Uh, right now, unfortunately, uh, I believe Dylan Brooks is out with an injury. Yeah, rolled his ankle. Yeah. But you got John Morant, Desmond Bain, who's having an incredible shooting season. Jaron Jackson, who's healthy and playing really well. Uh, Kyle Anderson's a very important uh, piece over there. Kind of this, he's like their Draymond Green, if you will. They're kind of utility, high IQ guy. Stephen Adams seems to be a perfect fit. And a lot of people, myself included, were questioning whether losing Valanciunas was going to hurt them, but they've been fine with Steven Adams. He's perfect there. Uh, Brandon Clark. And then I, I like Killian Tilly. I know you hate Killian Tilly and, and Brandon Clark for the obvious reasons. Yeah, Consonaga, guys. I can do without him. Um, <laughs> I, I do like Brandon Clark's game, though. Uh, I think the thing that stands out to me about Memphis is they're fourth in the West, but the gap between Memphis and the Warriors right now before tonight's games is a three and a half game cushion. The gap between um, uh, Memphis and Dallas, the four and five seeded teams is five games. So there's a bigger gap between Memphis falling to five than there is Memphis being at one. And so it's just one of those things where you're, you know, Memphis is playing great basketball, nine wins in a row. And you know, first of all, good for Memphis. You know, they've done all the right things. You're not going to get attractive free agents to come to Memphis. You have to build through the draft. You have to do well in the draft and you have to assign, you know, maybe some complimentary pieces on low end deals. 
and just keep developing and keep having your, your core that you have drafted with young guys, keep improving and improving. They've done everything the right way. Right. And over this nine game winning streak, you got two wins over the Lakers, uh, a Clippers win, a Cavs win, a Nets win, and a Suns win. You know, these aren't just mowing through the lower end of the, uh, of the NBA. These are very good teams and not even teams that are in the playoff picture. Like you're taking a look at, uh, you know, Nets premier team out East Suns premier team out West Lakers Clippers kind of just in the middle there, but definitely right. in the playoff picture. Um, I think the thing that stands out to me is just the depth. You have four guys averaging more than 16 points a game and you have nine guys averaging seven or more. So you just get a lot of contributions from a lot of different people and you can go a bunch of different routes in terms of, you know, who's getting minutes, what lineups are you throwing out there? And you're going to get contributions from everybody. And one final note, it's ridiculous. I can't believe I have to say this. People somehow, some way are saying that John Morant like should be an all-star. No, no, no. John Morant is an all-star. Yes. Like, I don't understand how you can make an argument that he's not an all-star. Yeah. So the argument I, is, should he be MVP at this point? <laughs> which like, I'm not willing to go that far. But, like, John Morant absolutely solidified himself as an all-star throughout the first, you know, what are we looking at, 40-plus games of the season so far. Um, that block, by the way, probably second-best block I've ever seen. And I have to say it behind the LeBron block, not because of skill, but in terms of, you know, LeBron's was obviously kind of just changing the uh, the momentum there in the finals. What's uh, the block yeah. But the Morant block, I mean, two hands near the top of the backboard, head above the rim. Yeah. One of the most like freakish plays I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, looked like he had uh, the flubber shoes on, the flubber ones, if, if, if you catch my reference. You remember that movie, Robin Williams? Yes, the bouncy green gel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. it was like yeah, yes. the flubber shoes, man. Yes. Uh, I agree. Everything you said, especially with the opponents they've been beating, is incredibly impressive. Right now, this team's first in rebounds, they're first in steals, they're first in blocks. That's a problem. <laughs> like, that's a problem. Uh, you know, like the, the Warriors are going to maybe, like, face about the toughest game they've had all year it's like them and the the battles they've had with phoenix because you look at memphis and they're such a complete two-way team i think one thing that really stands out for me and a guy who's such an important piece over there is jaron jackson jr and the reason i think he's so important is let's talk about jaron jackson senior the guy was a guard in the nba i'm going to look up for how many years now, Jaron Jackson Sr., he uh, won a championship with the Spurs. He wasn't ever doing anything crazy, didn't go to any all-star games, never was the kind of player that Jaron Jackson already is. But it looks like he had about 12, 13 years in the – yeah, 12 years in the league. That's a shooting guard, 6'4". Now, you, you throw in Jaron Jackson Jr., the dude's – what 610 6'11 and he's got the same skills his dad had in that I mean he's got guard skills and when you look at a team like the Warriors or the Bulls or uh the Raptors 
having a, a power forward with guard skills is crucial because it helps you be able to space the floor better in he's someone who can slash too. His shooting numbers aren't great right now, but you've got to respect the outside shot right now. He's shooting only 31%, but his first two years in the league, he's shooting around 35%. And so he's a good shooter, not super consistent right now, but his ability to play uh, pretty much as you're not going to put him at, at the shooting guard position but he's got the shooting guard skills and the fact that you can have someone with that skill set at the four or the five, it presents matchup problems on both ends of the floor. When you consider how good of a shot blocker, this guy is averaging two blocks a game, one steal per game, how quick he can move his feet. I think that right now, when I look at this Memphis Grizzlies team, the most important player is John Moran. The guy I kind of was talking about, I think even in the season previews, was Jaron Jackson, but it wasn't praise of Jaron Jackson like I'm right now. It was, what's Jaron Jackson going to do? I still want to see him rebound the basketball better. He's only averaging five and a half rebounds per game. But you're starting to see this kid turn into an all-star and I say kid because he's only 22 years old but the future of that franchise is extremely bright in the hands of John Morant and Jared Jackson they have nice pieces really nice pieces around those two but I think when you really look at the core it's going to come down to those guys continuing to develop and when they're ready to truly contend for a championship, which I don't think they're quite there yet, I think it's going to be on the legs of Morant and Jackson. And I think they'll both be perennial all-stars. Yeah, you have to keep that core together. And I think the biggest if for me with Jaron Jackson Jr. is can he figure out the outside shot? Because I know he's been trying to take more threes and he's trying to be more efficient. 31% on the season so far this year. So it's not really there. And his overall field goal percentage is around 40. Those numbers have to be higher. But if he's just trying to tweak some things, trying to figure out, you know, where he's at in, uh, you know, kind of spreading out the floor, taking a couple steps back, trying to figure out what his range is. Because obviously, as you mentioned, he's 22 years old, fourth season in the league. You know, he's only going to get better, only going to figure out what his strengths are, what his weaknesses are. But, you know, these are really good building blocks for sure with Memphis. And you mentioned the Dylan Brooks situation, you know, out three to four weeks with the with the uh, turned ankle there. But he's been phenomenal. They've just gotten the maximum contribution out of, you know, all their guys, really. And a lot of guys that you didn't really have a whole lot of hope for. I mean, like Morant and J Jackson Jr., really good in college, have a high ceiling, have continued to be really good NBA players. But like, Brooks was nice at Oregon. I don't think anyone thought he was going to be the second or third leading scorer on a playoff team. Right, Desmond right. Bain has been absolutely phenomenal for them this year. Looks like a veteran already. Yeah. Um, and then you just have all these other pieces in there. Again, I loved Kyle Anderson coming out of UCLA just because he can do so much for someone. Um, and just a, a deep team, young team. I wouldn't say that they're better than the Jazz, the Suns, the Warriors. I would pick those three teams over Memphis in a, in a playoff series for sure. But we also haven't seen how good Memphis can truly be. 
You know, I right. think that this is their window is not now. I think that they are ahead, you know, by a year or two from, I think, what most people expected them to be. So they're ahead of schedule and it's only going to take, you know, maybe another year or two. We are talking about like, shoot, this is a team that can make deep playoff runs consistently. Absolutely. And to go off what you're saying about that top four in the West. Now, if Rudy Gobert, I was watching the Pistons jazz game last night. Hassan Whiteside had a nice night on the stat sheet. Dude's lazy. Dude kind of cost them the game at moments. Uh, now, if Rudy Gobert's out in a series against Memphis and Utah, I'm going Memphis and I'm going Memphis in six. Uh, obviously, yeah, they, I mean, they lost in five. I think it was last year to the Jazz. But I think that's the kind of step up they've taken. Uh, obviously, with Jaron Jackson being uh, healthy this year, that's a big difference maker. So tonight you got Warriors Grizzlies. I don't think Draymond Green is going to play. No. Who do you got and why? I'm not going to bet against the Warriors ever. Um, you know, that's that, smart that, man. Yeah, I was going to say that's just number one, but I don't, I don't really have a whole lot of analysis beyond that. You have, you know, I we'll get to it at the very end of the show here in our power rankings, but I have Warriors one, Grizzlies two. So okay. you have the hottest team in the league against, in my opinion, the best team in the league. Sure. So, you know, something's got to give, but I, I just think the Grizzlies don't have as much experience. I don't think that they're as fluid as the Warriors. And again, as you keep mixing clay back into things, you keep upping his minutes, you figure out, you know, what contributions can he give you? Where does he fit in, in the scheme? Warriors are only going to be better. They're going to distance themselves uh, between, you know, the Suns who have this, the same record and the rest of the league. I think the Warriors are just going to skyrocket um, the rest of the way. I, I would agree with that. I do think Memphis wins tonight. It's in Memphis. Uh, they did a great job reacclimating Clay, but I do not think the Warriors are the same team with uh, Draymond Green off the floor. I mean, Brooks is out too for Memphis, though. I, I think they're going to be okay, though, just because how good Desmond Bain's been. Uh, and when I look at Brooks, I don't want to take anything away from how important he is. But I think that Brooks is a really good scorer. He, he plays really hard on defense. He's had some hilarious flops over the years, going back to some of that stuff at Oregon. Uh, but I think what Draymond Green does is just much more unique. I don't think the ball moves as well without Draymond Green on the floor. I don't think people are in the right place defensively. And he's also the guy who's – they'd probably put on Jaron Jackson and at times put on uh, whether it's on a switch or a different kind of look, maybe you put on John Morant. I think it's going to be close. The Warriors are one and a half point favorites. I'm going upset tonight, Kurt. I'm going upset. I think Memphis takes care of business at home. I think they get their 10th win. And I think that uh, ESPN on the 12th of January completely overreacts. They're going to go crazy. Stephen A is going to be screaming. Uh, he's going to say something along the lines of, give John Morant the MVP. Give it to him right now. He's earned it. This cat can fly. He's going, to, he's going to scream. There's going to be spit coming out of his mouth. Who do they have against him? Who's the other guy they have debating him now? I mean, it depends. Like, they've thrown J.J. Redick in there. Max is gone. 
Okay. Um, so, I mean, I don't know if they have a consistent replacement yet, but they just mix a bunch of guys in. You get Perk in there sometimes. I've seen Matt Barnes in there sometimes. Um, I mean, I feel like a lot of the time it's just Stephen A just screaming at a camera. Absolutely. Not necessarily to somebody or about, you know, anything in particular. My favorite thing about Stephen A, this is just a side note, is when he doesn't have an argument, he just starts listing guys on the roster so he's like, they got John Moran. They got Jaron Jackson. They have Desmond. They have Kyle Anderson. These boys can ball. And it's just like, okay, we, we know who's on the team. Do you have anything beyond that? So. Have you uh, seen the uh, Simpsons um, Stephen A. Smith character? I don't think I have. It is absolutely hilarious. You got to like, go on YouTube. It's, it's that good. His name is Anger Watkins. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally just Stephen A. Smith. <laughs> like, okay. I'll have to check it out. Like, like it's just somebody screaming. <laughs> uh, anyway, today's show is brought to you by Spotify Green Room. It's a uh, audio-only social media platform for sports fans. You're a sports fan if you're listening to Hoopsterdam's podcast. Join the ongoing conversations, share your takes, watch games together, react to the biggest news, rumors, and talk. You can uh, join insiders, join Kurt and I, um, talk to whoever, you know, we're not the only people who be doing uh, the Spotify, the Spotify green room. And so all you got to do is download the Spotify green room app. It's free, create a profile link, your Twitter, uh, join up on a group or league uh you can follow me on twitter at fargo foo f-o-u-x um we'll be going live on there at some point you know right now it's just the two-man game though we haven't opened the doors for that yet kurt we're not it's not that we're not ready but we we don't have the need to do that quite yet we'd be jumping the gun yeah yeah it's, it's about doing things at the right time, not just about doing things. Exactly. So date to be determined someday, someday. But right now, we're still preheating the oven. And once the, the room starts to smell delicious, we'll let you know. And then we might share some food. Uh, speaking of food, I just uh, Googled best burgers in Fargo earlier today. I had a pretty good burger for lunch, Kurt. What was in there, Foo? Uh, so the way I do a burger is, uh, and this is also like, if I'm trying to evaluate different burgers, I want to see like, all right, how can you do this? Real simple bacon, lettuce, tomato, onion, mayo. And then, um, if you have some sort of twist, if you have a habanero Jack cheese, yeah, let's, let's see what, what's up, what that's all about. That's what I did today. Uh, it was at Tavern. It was pretty good, man. It was pretty good. Um, I've had better, but like that's the best burger I've had so far in Fargo. I'll say that much. So that was cool. Seems like you need to be on assignment now. Try every burger that Fargo has to offer. Power I was going to run it by my news director. Honestly, I'm not even kidding. I was going to run it by him and say, I want to do a long form series on like where I go in with the camera and I try a burger and I say, this is, and it's like, you know, that could get some legs, man. Who knows? That's news. Fargo food. F-O-U-X-D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. That's got wheels, son. 
Yeah, moving. <laughs> uh, speaking of wheels, the Brooklyn Nets, they're rolling. Not really. They're not. They just lost last night to the uh, Damian Lillard list, CJ McCollum list, Ben McElmore led Portland Trailblazers. Harden less. Yeah, yeah, true. They didn't have Harden. That that is extremely fair that you bring that up. But I was still shocked. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the biggest takeaway though is, and this is where we're making this transition, is into Kyrie Irving playing a road game. Second game back, did get the loss, but, um, and you know, it's, it's, I say Harden was out, but let's be real. If you have Kyrie and Katie, you should be beating a Portland Trailblazer team, even if they had CJ and Damian Lillard, but um, Kyrie Irving, 47% from the field so far this season. One of the things that I think goes unrecognized about his game is how efficient he is. I believe he's a 40%, 47% shooter from the field for his career. So, you know, yeah, he makes things look really, really difficult but he's a very efficient player. So 22 points a game in those two road games. The thing that kind of stands out to me is that 19-point comeback win against the Pacers in his first game back, and you just saw the, the fluidity was there. You see when KD, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving, hopefully in all these road games moving forward that you know Harden can come back and play in, they're just going to be firing on all cylinders. And it's just another person that you have to be worried about if you're the opposition. Right. So I I texted you this morning about this. I don't think this is much of a hot take. I would it's rather genius, though. I would rather have the I mean if you're the Brooklyn Nets. In my in my opinion, you should be not a top 4 seed out east. You should I don't know if you can call it tanking, but you should figure out a way to give yourself a 5 to 8 seed so that you don't have home court advantage because in my opinion having Kyrie for one more game in a playoff series where you have more road games and you have home games is going to be more advantageous than if you had a home game, you know, one more home game per se, if it went to a seven game series. So Kyrie Irving, in my opinion, is not going to get the vaccine anytime soon. New York city is not going to change their mandate anytime soon. If you're the Brooklyn Nets aim for a lower seed than one through four. Yeah. That's like actually genius. I, I mean, I don't know if they're thinking about that. They should be. I hope they are. It does create a very interesting situation. And the way I kind of look at this is uh, it, it's hard for me to understand without being around the team regularly. So I'd love to talk to someone who's around the Nets, see how they feel about this. But I have a hard time imagining them building elite chemistry, especially when you consider a seven-game series where a lot of teams they're going to be playing are playing their best ball as a team together. And when you have your third best player, someone who's going to have the ball in his hands a lot, in and out of the lineup, throughout the series could that potentially create a situation where you are constantly adjusting and readjusting I don't know what does that do to the flow of the offense what does that do to the identity of the team I don't know 
but it's a concern. I, I don't know. What, what do you think about that? I think it's something to consider for sure. Because again, if you're relying on one scheme, well, I mean, you don't have just one scheme, but if you're relying on, you know, these bodies to do this with Kyrie, you're not going to have that without him. So you definitely have to make adjustments. I think the only thing, and I don't want to say that your take is overblown because I know you're kind of just spitballing, just thinking of all the, the things that people need to consider. But right. when you have Kevin Durant, Kyrie, James Harden, who are 10 plus year vets, and you have a guy who's a great basketball mind in Steve Nash, I imagine that, yeah, there might need to be a little bit of an adjustment period kind of at the, the initial start of games, you know, maybe for the first like few possessions where you're trying to figure out, okay, yeah, we can do this. Oh shoot. We couldn't do this before we can do it now. Or, you know, when he's not there, Oh shoot. You know, maybe we have to do it this way because Kyrie is not here, but I just don't think it's going to be that much of an adjustment. I feel like these guys are experienced enough are led by a guy who knows so much about the game that it's probably not going to derail them. Having said all that in the playoffs, you know, it could come down to every single possession. You can't afford to have a possession off. So maybe against like an elite team like Milwaukee or something, it becomes an issue. I just feel like the experience is there. The basketball knowledge is there. And yeah, you might need to make some tweaks. I just don't think it's going to be that much where a team like the Nets can't overcome it. I think they could overcome it against the Wizards. They could overcome the it against the Cavs. Yeah, the Lizards, you know. Lizards. Um, but if they're in the second round against the Bulls or the Heat or the Bucks, maybe even the Sixers, that's where it's a gray area to me. It's a we'll see. Yeah. It would be very interesting if Kyrie just decides to get vaccinated. No. Then, yeah, I don't think he will either. And I also just think that like that team's maybe a little more fragile than they're given credit for. Very top heavy. They're very top heavy. They it's just a weird build. I look at that lineup and like you have weapons but you don't have any defense. <laughs> There's only one ball. Yeah. Like, who's the best defender on that team? I mean, I hate to say it. Kevin it Durant? Might, it might be Blake Griffin. Yeah, who, like, they don't like to give a ton of minutes to anymore. Like, he's he's sold out and kind of just been, like, a guy who's going to, you know, front someone's best player in the post not really give up anything when he's getting back down and just diving for loose balls. Like he is not even close to what he used to be, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's the guy. I, I think Bembry is halfway decent from what I okay. remember. Sure. But like, yeah. I mean, you're, you're not going to get Claxton. Yeah. The big, the big man, but I, I just, yeah, you're right. I don't think you're going to get Katie and Harden and Kyrie selling out to just be defenders. That's going to be a problem when you face Miami. It's going to be a problem when you face Milwaukee. We'll see. They might be able to just outscore teams. I was going to say, or if KD, Kyrie, and Harden combined for 90 or more, yeah, I think you might be fine. Yeah. But, but then when you get to the finals and Clay's healthy, healthy, have fun in five games. See? I think we will. I think we will. <laughs> Maybe I'm just a hater, Kurt. I don't like super teams. You're skeptical. I don't like it. 
Yeah. Um, the Nets are fun to root against too, because they're extremely talented, but they're extremely flawed. And they have some obnoxious pieces on their team. Let's be real. Yeah, they do. They do. Yeah. Who's more easy to root against, the Lakers or the Nets? Well, in my opinion, it's Lakers. Like, I mean, everyone knows my beef with LeBron. But <laughs> it's, it's just one of the, I mean, you're asking the Celtics fan, and I know that Brooklyn is in the division, but like, in my opinion, LeBron's been as unlikable as it gets since 2011. Uh, AD. Always hurt. Who else you have on that team? Westbrook, obnoxious. I yeah, I don't really hate on him that much, but I could definitely see why people don't like him. Um, Ill-advised shots, a lot of hero ball, not a lot of uh, converting of said shots. Um, I, I think outside of that, you just have a bunch of dudes. You're like, eh, eh. I don't like how high people are on Taylor Horton Tucker. I think it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, it, it's not necessarily just the laker pieces it's just like the public perception of like oh the lakers are amazing oh the lakers are gonna do blah 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 and it's like why why are you guys hyping them up they're 21 and 20 yeah like wh where is all this love coming from can we give it to a memphis a team 14 games over 500 why do we always have to talk about LeBron, why do we always have to talk about the Lakers? One game over 500. Yeah. It's like the it's Timberwolves are more interesting right now because they are 20 and 20. Like people didn't expect that. Why don't we talk about the Timberwolves? Because they're not a big market because they don't have LeBron. Ugh. Yeah. Nauseating. Uh, should we get into our uh, power rankings or do you have anything else to add to the Brooklyn Nets talk? No, we can do power rankings and make it quick. All right, let's do it. Uh, you go ahead and start off. Who's your number five? I got the Jazz. Second best record in the league, tied with Chicago. Um, not in terms of win percentage. Chicago is a better win percentage because they have less losses. But the Jazz, um, six and four in their last 10, I believe. So just not as hot as they used to be. But at the same time, you have the second tied for the second best record in the league. You're doing something right. Okay. Uh, they're not on my top five this week. Mm, who do you have a five, Foo? Uh, I have the Dallas Mavericks. Okay. They have won six in a row. I think the Jazz are a better team than the Mavericks. But the Jazz have lost three straight. And I was just mad yesterday. Watching them lose to the Pistons made me upset. And uh, watching Hassan Whiteside's lack of care made me upset. And um, right now they're vulnerable without Whiteside and I believe Ingles in uh, protocol as well. And so it's, it's like they're grounded for me. They're still a member of the family. I just want them to stay in their room for a few days and I'm taking away the Xbox. You know, I still love them. I still appreciate what they bring to the league. But without Rudy Gobert, Rudy Gay, and Joe Ingles, I don't care for it. I think Hassan Whiteside needs to get some new shoes because the cement ones aren't working. I think that's, I think it's laughable. I think he should be ashamed of himself. I think if he moves two steps, the Pistons don't get a second look on a three and win the damn game. I had $5 on this, Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> the truth comes out. 
All right. So they're grounded. Meanwhile, you look at the um, Dallas Mavericks. They snapped the Bulls' nine-game win streak. They got wins against the Warriors. Uh, a sneaky, tough-to-beat Rockets team. Just because the Rockets are that team that will, like, beat anyone but lose to anyone. Shouldn't win any games. Could win any game, though. Uh, they beat the Nuggets recently, the uh, Mavs. And uh, they got the, the Knicks tomorrow, but... Luca's back. I really like the way Jalen Brunson has evolved. And I want to see more Luka Doncic and Jalen Brunson just because those are two very smart players. But you're starting to see the identity emerge with Jason Kidd, Dallas Mavericks. And what's really cool is it's a defensive identity. They're third right now in points allowed. Um, they don't turn the ball over. When you play good defense and you don't turn the ball over, that's a recipe for success. Uh, I would like them to guard the three a little bit better, but I just really like the the build of that team. You've seen Kristaps Porzingis have a really good year, and he's actually being used the way he should be. Um, he's taken 16 shots a game. I think in the playoffs last year, he's only taken 12. It's a real problem to me. Uh, but it was also nice to see how well that the Mavericks were able to tread water without Luka Doncic because Jalen Brunson's that good. And if you're a fantasy basketball player or you like daily fantasy, any game Luka Doncic isn't playing, you should consider uh, looking at the matchup with Jalen Brunson because when he's not out there with Luca, he puts up really good numbers. And, uh, you know, I, I saw this guy drop 56 in a game one time when he was a junior in high school. This obviously isn't high school, but the dude is starting to look like that kind of scorer in the league right now who can just get hot and can score against much taller guys and plays the angle so well, uh, really good at getting a look. Uh, so, yeah, all that to say the Mavs are my number five. Makes sense. Jalen Brunson's going to get paid this offseason. Yeah, I hope he gets paid by the Bulls. <laughs> Could be. Uh, speaking of the Bulls, Foo, my fourth team. Hey! 9-1 over their last 10. First place in the Eastern Conference, which is not easy to do. And one of the things that stands out, I saw a tweet about this. I had to look through some of the games. I believe, I can't remember how they, the tweet phrased it, but it was either most players lost to COVID this year or most starters minutes lost to COVID this year. So they've done it despite adversity. Yeah, so, they had, I think it got up to 15 players, which is insane considering usually only 12 players on a roster. But they've had like 15 different guys go through protocol. Some of those guys, not even on the team anymore. Like they've had to get guys off the street. <laughs> yeah, and they're doing well. So that's why they're my number four team. Yeah, they're doing real well, man. Um, like I said, they just lost to the Mavericks. Uh, I was on Sean and Maya in the morning a couple weeks ago. They had won three in a row. I said, they're going to win nine in a row. Take it to the bank. They did. They beat the teams they should, and they can beat anybody in the league. We talked about them so much on this show that I don't feel the need to get into uh, rehash. I will say that having Io Desumu be a few years above or uh, 
in front of his projection. I didn't expect him to be this good this early. And then Kobe White's come back and look like he's playing some of the best ball of his career, and they finally have him in a role where he can come in and give you buckets off the bench. They got athletes all over. And as long as that big four is healthy, Lonzo Ball, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, Nikola Vucevic, they're going to be a damn tough team to beat, even better when they get Caruso back. Uh, Derek Jones Jr., important defensive element on that team. Ayo is a defensive element on that team. And, um, yeah, I think they're legit. I think they're a team that could go to the finals at this point. Um, my number four team, and I'll say that the Bulls are my number three because I already talked about, so that's all I got to say about that. Uh, my number four team is the Miami Heat. Uh, the Miami Heat are getting it done without Bam Adebayo and without Jimmy Butler. They beat the brakes off a very good Phoenix team the other night. And that kind of caught my attention. They won that game 123 to 100. Max Struess, he's on the loose. Starting to play some real good ball over there. Uh, Tyler Hero is finally living up to the hype hype. Like he's been good, but this he's like starting to be as good as people expected. And there were some premature expectations, let's say that. Not unwarranted, but premature. He wasn't there yet last year. He's bubble hero without the bubble. Exactly. You're, you're, the, the bubble has been burst. <laughs> um, but when you look at uh, Stefano, friend of the show, hitting the uh, group chat the other day, it was a Pocahontas meme. And it was the chief. In the, on the front was the NBA logo. <laughs> it said, these are some dangerous white men. <laughs> and then it was Max Struess, Duncan Robinson, um, and Tyler Hero. But yeah, man, for real, these are some dangerous white men. Uh, but the fact that they're finding a way, you got to keep giving credit to Spo. I can't believe there was a time when I didn't think he was a good coach. <laughs> that is blasphemous. He's a very good coach. He's one of the best in the organization, or the, the association, I should okay. say. Um, but yeah, it's impressive, man, because I thought this team would lose their identity when they didn't have Jimmy Butler and Bam out of bio. I don't think at this current construction, they're going to be able to make a deep playoff run. Some team's going to be better than them, but I got a lot of respect for what they're doing right now with the pieces that are out. So they're my number four. All right. My number three. Phoenix Suns tied for the best record in the league, despite not making a whole lot of noise over the last week or so. I know we haven't done a power ranking in probably a month or so, but again, they're just kind of keeping pace with where they were up until that point. So no reason to knock them. Fair enough. Reason I knocked them was uh, that loss to the heat. I felt like they kind of just didn't look like themselves. Um, and I wanted to mix it up this week, but you can't lose to the Celtics. Come on. That They're just shows the bad teams. That just shows my frustration with the Celtics, man. They'll beat – I can't remember if it was at home. I, I might have been – I can't remember if it was at home or away. But point being, they beat the Suns by a lot after losing to the Timberwolves that didn't have Cat or D'Angelo Russell. I can't figure this team out. They're terrible. Yeah. Tatum, yeah. Browning, Robert Williams. 
it's uh wow he said all that <laughs> yeah man i'm starting to lose my patience with them as well they're like unwatchable uh so we have the same one and two not the first time this has happened grizzlies warriors i have warriors grizzlies but yeah oh yeah if you're going two one yeah grizzlies, warriors yeah yeah and we've already talked about them at length How i don't have anything else. best team in the league yeah nothing Can't really else to add there uh kurt always a pleasure uh anything else you want to add don't think so i'm excited to see where your burger adventures take you oh i'll keep everyone posted uh i had a dream that we were in math class together we we're taking an exam and uh your tooth fell out do you have any false teeth I do not no well the only thing i could think of is uh maybe it meant you weren't going to have a, a good day on the show or something like it's someone's tooth falling yeah. what's the symbolism there yeah i'm not sure um, that wasn't it though we had a great time i was gonna say i can safely say that i'll probably never take a math test again thank so god if, if, yeah thank god so if there's like some correlation between like losing your teeth and taking a math test um not having to take a math test maybe means that my teeth won't fall out <laughs> you were crying so i think i would if i lost my teeth especially i mean these are all permanent at this point been for a while yeah, you don't have any more baby teeth. <laughs> they're, they're not. They're not growing back. So, yeah, you know, man, it was uh, traumatizing. Have you ever had the math test dream? Math, I, I, I'm or sure. Just like I, any yeah. college exam dream, where you're like, "What the? I have, it, it could be that I haven't been to this class all year, or like I have no idea about anything <laughs> that I've learned." Well, I don't really remember specifics because I don't really remember specifics of my dreams when I wake up the next day. But okay. I do remember, I want to say it was a few weeks ago where there, this probably happens to me a couple times a month where I just can't fall asleep. And it's always because my brain is just going and going and going and I can't really turn it off. And I remember like the idea of the dream was that like, it, I think it was something school related. I don't think it was like preparedness for a test or something, but it was like some, like a, a paper was due or an assignment was due and oh my gosh, like, I don't know what I'm going to talk about. I don't know the answers. I'm not going to put it down. And I woke up and I, you know, drank some water, went to the bathroom, came back. And I was like, I'm not in class. I don't, I don't, I don't have to worry about school. I yeah. graduated. Yeah. That's the best feeling when I wake up or mid dream. I'm like, wait a minute. I don't have to do school anymore. This yeah, is none, a dream. None of this is real. Yeah. Thank and it God. just, yeah. I had to calm myself down. I was like, what I was dreaming about is is nothing. Yeah, nothing. I, we're just conditioned. We probably had like 20 years of schooling in our life, at, at, at least, you know? <laughs> like, I think it was like 23 for me. Like, no, that's over, it's over. Now the test is uh, just doing a good life. job on the highlights. <laughs> I would say the, now the test is life. We're still yeah. learning every day. That's true. Or maybe less consequences or more consequences depending on your uh, financial situation. Gotta pay the bill. Depending on many situations. Right. It's not a controlled setting anymore. It's an uncontrolled setting. Right. <laughs> All right. Well, on that wisdom, we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the Hoops Podcast. Don't take